0: Monday. my name is Moore Milo and I'm Rossro. This is the 52 podcast 52 books 52 weeks making every single week count. Thank you guys so much for joining us for episode 81. For those of you that are new, thank you for joining us for the first time. What we like to do here is we like to read a book a week usually about personal development, business, psychology, one of those good things uh, to learn something new. we basically what we do is we bring you guys our review of the book, what we thought and if it was valuable to us or not. This week, we have read a book called The Advantage by Patrick Lecioni. Ross, 10,000 foot view, what do you think? Honestly, I liked it. This was
1: a very insightful book. It was really more... I know he's a... You know, he goes in, he's a consultant for a lot of these companies, but he really made it feel almost like the psychology of a business, kind of breaking it down in different parts. So really enjoyed it what do you think more
0: I thought it was solid I thought that he had a lot of really valuable content in there uh, it was more than just theory it was also backed with a lot of um, you know first case or first person you know stories and and anecdotes about what some of the tools he used were for different companies it also just provided a lot of value uh, in specific actions that companies can take to become more efficient and to be uh, you know, to have the advantage, right, over the rest of the market. Um, so Ross, what what do you think was your biggest takeaway from the book and and what do you think that our readers would want to listen to the most?
1: You know, I think for me, it was actually going into different personality types, only because my company recently did this about two weeks ago, where we all had to do a disk assessment and kind of see what our personalities are so that we could understand, when we're talking to different people on our team, we kind of have a better idea of how they take feedback, criticism, things like that. And it was, you know, built with the managers as well to figure out who they are um, and kind of get a better understanding of ourselves and those around us. And they really kind of went into that. There was the example of like two, um, I think the, the owner wanted to get rid of the CEO or, or one of the positions. And essentially because he thought, oh, he's lazy. He just doesn't care. But really it was something very clear with their personality types, that the the guy that they were going to get rid of, it wasn't that he was lazy or this and that. It was that he, and if you ask him, he gets stressed when he doesn't know the answer to certain things and it would help him procrastinate or hurt him into procrastinating. So I think understanding, you know, if you are a person that's very direct and if you have another person who's very supportive or also if you have two people that are very direct, that works really well sometimes. But if you have someone that's very direct with someone who maybe doesn't want you know, that hard hitting feedback, you have to word it differently, or, you know, just kind of change your tone a lot of times to get the result that you need. Uh, I think it's important to understand that there are different types out there. And knowing that, I think even if you don't realize what each person is, I think understanding the different personality types exist in your friend group, in your family, you know, in your company, it's going to take you a long way because you're going to think a little bit differently. You're not just going to assume this person is bad because they have something different than you. This is just how they operate.
0: I don't know, what was the biggest for you, you think? Well, number one, just to kind of piggyback off of that, I think that that is really valuable. I've done a lot of work on personalities and understanding personalities and biotypes even, like genetic um, predispositions. And, and understanding who's in front of you is so valuable, uh, just in the way that you communicate, in the way that you interact, in the way that you take action. You know, because you you could do something with one type of personality and then do the same thing with a different type of personality and get a completely different result because of the way that they think and see the world and the perspective that they have. So, yeah, I think it's really important that you speak into the person that's in front of you as opposed to just speaking generically about one particular topic. For me, I think what the really big overarching uh, theme of this book is that there's so much value and understanding the people in your business and how they operate, how they think, um, who they want to be, how, how, what results they want to generate. And understanding that a business is a group of people first and foremost, I think is really valuable. Because I think sometimes we, we forget about the people in a business and we just look at the numbers or look at the product or look at whatever it is that that company is trying to achieve. And if we forget that there's people behind it that are truly making making motion for those products and for those companies and to create that engagement with the world, so I just thought that that was really valuable. I thought overall, as a as a whole, um, it touched on a lot of different topics. Um, the majority of them, I think that we've heard before. You know, kind of understanding who's in front of you and you know being able to communicate in the right ways and kind of all that overarching stuff. But what I liked about this book specifically was that they gave a lot of examples, like you said, with the CEO not liking the other employee and blah, 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 blah. They provided a lot of examples to create like solidity in the ideology.
1: Yeah, I agree. The, the fact that they were able to break it down in a way that's easily digestible, I thought was really nice because really what he was doing was he was honestly acting more like a company doctor in a way. He was really diagnosing a lot of the issues that these companies could have. And I thought it was interesting he used an example of, you know, XYZ company, you know, pretty much closed its doors. Everything got shut down. The company went out of business. And, you know, the news articles would cite lack of creativity or productivity, things like that. But they were saying, honestly, if you asked some of the employees in that company, they would have told you the biggest thing was, you know, there was really no cohesiveness. The the company culture was terrible. There were a lot of underlying issues that had nothing to do with the actual product. You know, like you said, the people really is the most important part of your company. And I think this did a great job of helping you dive into that, understanding that even massive companies are still built off of teams. They're still built off of individuals. No matter how big Apple is, you know, if Apple doesn't come out with a new product, you know, of course the news is gonna say that they were not innovating enough, they were not doing X, Y, and Z, but people inside Apple could say the opposite. They could say, honestly, we were pushing everything to the the limit, but we were just having, you know, conflict with direction and path and someone want to do one thing. There's a lot of different reasons, but I think what they wanted to do in this book was try to get your team all on the same page. You know, keep everybody, you know, even if you leave the meeting, leave the meeting knowing exactly what you have to get done. I thought that was a great example they talked about well. Um, But yeah, a lot of different things. I thought this was a really good book. This was really Like I said, more of a psychology book, I think, almost than a business book.
0: I thought it was super solid, too. And I think that it was really interesting that he took a different perspective on meetings. Because in every other book that you read, they talk about how much of a waste of time meetings are, and spending time in meetings is, is useless, and blah, 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 blah. And to a certain extent, I agree. But at the same time, I think he really was able to drive the point home of having interactions with your team in a short, concise manner, and having quick meetings that allow you to stay on on on, on task, on uh, on track timeline wise, and, and also just understand all the moving parts. You know, I like how he breaks it apart into different types of meetings and how there's you know, um, what, what do you call it? Topical meetings and there's, uh, you know, short daily meetings and then there's a once weekly meeting where you kind of have the whole staff together and each one has its own role. Um, and it's not just like, okay, let's get together and bullshit and, you know, talk about a million things in a circle. It's like, no, you know, you have your daily meeting, you spend five minutes on your feet talking about what things are going to get in our way and how we can get in front of them you have your weekly meeting with your staff to get everybody on the same page with what's happening and what's moving so that all the teams are familiar, you know, with the strategy and the trajectory and all that sort of good stuff. And then you have your topical meetings that, you know, have to happen that are quick but need to happen in order to move the day along, in order to move the task along. And I think that there's so many people that are so against the idea of getting together and meeting because the concept of like You know, like we had with that previous book, right? You have an hour-long meeting with five employees. You now wasted five hours Mm -hmm. of time. Yes, I agree with that. But if you have five people in a 10-minute meeting and you spent less than an hour of time, but you were able to save lots of time in the long run of, like, you know, making sure everybody's on the same page, making sure that all the obstacles are overcome, you know, with all the different cross-team, you know, scenarios that could happen. And and I think that there's a really great value in creating a space for communication on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis that's going to allow for a forum of ideas from your teams.
1: Yeah, I think to piggyback on meetings, I think the thing that I will definitely be taking away when it comes to meetings was they were saying the one manager, pretty much what he does is he takes silence as a no. If you are not, you pretty much have to agree at the end of the meeting. It doesn't mean everyone has to agree on the same thing. But I think what it shows is, you know, let's say you're pitching a new idea, even if you don't like it, which they talk about in the book, um, at least there's an understanding of like, we still have to get these things done for the larger goal. But pretty much he was saying that silence will be considered as a no. And what that really means to me is, you know, even if you have a, a team of five people, right, and we want to do a 10 minute meeting, everyone should be able to have the opportunity to say yes. So like, hey, we're going to do X, Y, and Z this week. Let's get everything done. Does this sound good? Yes, 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 yes. They agree versus just silence and nods because there's something to ownership, but then it also gives them a chance to voice their own opinion because as they say in the book, most people are very, you know, logical. They will accept whatever route you're kind of pitching, for lack of a better term, if they get a chance to voice their own concern and if they realize that this may not be the absolute best path. But at least they get an option or an opportunity to really... Kind of express that to the manager or the person in charge so at least they can you know still get a new idea out and maybe their idea they have is better and it brings the entire trajectory of that project in a different path but i think ending meetings where everybody's agreeing or get to the point where they can voice that lets them know that when they leave they are accountable for what they have to get done they kind of know more so concretely what they have to get done and i think it makes everyone feel more a part of the meeting Because especially now when everyone's doing Zoom calls, I mean, most people are completely quiet. You know, when someone says, can you see my screen when I'm presenting? There's only one person that will say yes. You know, does everyone understand? Only one person says yes. Everyone else just nods. The most you see is everyone will unmute at the very end to say like, bye, talk to you later. And that thing is like five seconds. Like people are saying goodbye as they're exiting out of screen. So I think that could be something that could be very good for, you know, these Zoom calls that everyone's doing where everyone, do you agree and everyone has to take a moment to agree or acknowledge the change that's happening. So I don't know. I think that would be something that I would love to try to take forward and see how that works. Yeah. That
0: sounds really worthwhile. Another really great topic. And it sounds like meetings and and kind of meeting culture and and that kind of, um, you know, that topic really hit home for us. There's another beautiful thing about meetings that he said that I really liked a lot the idea that yes, even if, let's say you're the head of sales, and you ha- you're getting together for a meeting with the head of marketing, the head of you know uh, business admin, the head of logistics, whatever, right? You're getting together with a bunch of heads of different departments within one organization. What I really loved is the concept of taking off your hat and putting on the corporate hat, and I hate to use the word corporate because it could be you know any business, but or the overarching hat, right? Like if you work for Apple, it's the Apple hat. If you work for you know, I don't know, Dairy Queen, it's the Dairy Queen hat, right? Like instead of being the sales guy with the sales hat, you put on the Dairy Queen hat or the comp- the, the company hat and you think out of, about a topic and have a meaning about a topic from the perspective of we're all equals, we're all here to support the overarching vision of the company and we can all speak freely and openly about ideas that are not only in our, our uh wheelhouse but also in different sectors of the business that we might not have as much understanding in but because of the fact that we bring a different perspective it brings value and the idea that you know we're all equals at the same table and we're going to put on our our you know our team hat as opposed to this is my departmental hat I thought that was really valuable yeah the
1: the last thing I want to touch on is he he had a few questions that he went through that I thought were very good as far as like breaking down your company Uh, The first one was, why do we exist? Then, how do we behave? What do we do? How will we succeed? What is the most important right now? And who must do what? And I think when you kind of break those down and separate them, they make perfect sense because we've done a bunch of mission statements. And like you said, a lot of them are really, you know, cut and dry. They all sound the same. We're here to innovate this and that. But I think it's easier to figure out exactly what you're doing when you break it down to, you know, why do we exist? What are we actually trying to do? You know, how do we behave? What is our company culture? What is our kind of core values? What do we do? You know, are you selling a certain product? Or what are you trying to, what is the actual do that you're creating? You know, how will we succeed? What's going to make you different from your competitors? Whether that be product or just internally, you know, the way that you're going to structure the system. Uh, what is the most important right now? They talked about when you make a game plan, try to keep it between 3 and 12 months. Three Anything quicker than 3 months feels like it's kind of a fire drill to the finish line, it's almost too quick, and anything longer than a year, people might not be there in a year, they might say, hey, we'll change it by the time we get there, there's so many things, but between three months and 12 months, a lot of that stuff, you can really kind of break down, and kind of get that exactly how you want to, where it's really going to be achievable, and then the last one, like I said, who must do what, I think it's very important, more and I will tell you, to give roles to certain people that it plays to their strengths, you know, there are certain things that You know, whether it's their main job or you need them to do a second task, if they're naturally good at something, they're better at math, they're more creative, they're whatever it may be, try to find something that fits their skills. Don't try to put them in a different role. You know, find a role that really suits their skills and you'll be in a better place in the long run. So I just wanted to get through those because those to me were very, very simple questions that I think anyone can ask themselves when starting a company or if they currently are in a company. And it's going to give you a lot of good, I would say, just information and insight into your own company. Because
0: sometimes doing a self-reflection can be very powerful, especially on a company level. Yeah, no doubt. And for me, start kind of moving into final thoughts here. Um, For me, the book was super valuable. I thought it was definitely worth a read. Maybe not top five or top ten, but really, really valuable in just understanding people in your business and, and allowing yourself to take a second And take a step back and take yourself out of the minutia of what you do for a living or what your company provides and remembering that there are people behind all of the things that we do. Um, So just taking a second to take that step back was really important. And I think there's some really valuable tools in here as well. What about you, Ross? What do you think your final thoughts are?
1: You know, this is a book and we've we've had some great books. We've had some terrible books. We've actually had not the best streak of books in the last few weeks. Um, So this one was very refreshing. I think this was... In the top third of the books we've definitely sure, read. This sure. was... I would put this almost top 15. And, you know, when we put a top, we're not honestly thinking of the ones that were right before if There's too many to name. But this one was very good. I would feel very confident in recommending this to, you know, an individual, a manager, anyone at a higher level. I think they can take something from this because most business books dissect things on such a business level that I think what he does is he kind of interprets the way that you would break down a person, but he takes that to a company. He humanizes it. Yeah, he makes it a lot more easy to understand, to understand that, you know, innovation 3% over whatever time is easy to say that you want to grow 2X or whatever, but to get there, you really have to focus on the people in your company to get you there. So I would definitely recommend this. Like I said, this was more of a psychology business book, and it's nice to see that without the structure of sales, because normally whenever you see psychology and business collide, It is purely how to increase sales numbers, how to sell, how to pitch. This was really on a macro level when it came to the company. And I thought that was honestly very, very smart of him to do um, because none of it felt, you know, out of this world difficult. But I've just never really heard someone describe a lot of the basic ways that we, you know, deal with our own issues and the way that you can deal with a company's issues. So all in all, highly recommend it. Really enjoyed
0: it. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us for episode 81 of the 52 podcast. My name is Moore Milo. I'm Ross Sainarelli. This is the 52 podcast, 52 books, 52 weeks, making every single week count. I got the outro correct this week. I'm very happy about that. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We'll see you next week.
1: Take care.